I'm Josh Corcoran, and these are CJSW Stories. CJSW Stories is a show about the people behind the mic and behind the scenes sharing their stories of making great radio. Our guest today is Carrie Clark, host of Alternative to What? When did you first get involved with CJSW? I came here August 11th, 87. I was um, in Victoria. It was at CFUV. And I actually applied for the program director job here. And I uh, got an interview. And I, uh, they, what I remember, and maybe I'm skipping a step, but I remember being at my job there, which was at the Ministry of Food and Agriculture doing um, t- basically word processing. But I was the volunteer program director at CFUV. And I had applied for this job and I'd also applied for a job in Montreal. And I didn't get an interview there. But I remember them just calling me up at my desk. I don't remember them setting an advance time, but they must have because you don't normally do that. And there were like five people on the phone and me, and I sat at my desk and everyone was looking at me answering these questions about the CRTC and things. And I think they were thinking, aren't you just a word processor? Like, And uh, they phoned me back literally like an hour and a half later and said, you have the job. And I thought, mm, I don't really want to move back to Calgary, and but I'm doing this job as a volunteer in Victoria. And so I said yes, and I flew there on the Thursday and went to a station meeting, and then I drove the following Tuesday, and I started. That's how I started CGSW. And what was that like, you know, just all of a sudden just showing up and being program director? Well, firstly, in a lot of ways, it was really cool because I had... I was from Calgary and I'd gone to high school here, um, but I wasn't really looking forward to moving back. But it was like being in a completely new town and completely new city because you're among your people. Um, I think it was interesting, probably good and bad, that I was a bit of an outsider. Um, that I made a lot of changes in a very short period of time, like six weeks. And so I was a bit of a bulldozer. And I think had I not sort of come in as an outsider and just decided to do that, I might have been stopped from doing those things. And hopefully they were good changes. And to, yeah, I was, you know, I was a bit of a mystery a guy that worked here, thought I only liked heavy metal and blues, which is weird. That's not really quite true. And um, yeah, I saw maybe things from a different point of view, but there were really awesome people here. So there were some very, you know, quick friendships and um, it was really amazing station to land in. How long did you stay as, as um, program director before you moved on? Five years. I thought I was old. I was like 27. I thought I was too old to be program director. You know, all these kids coming in that were 18 wanting to do kinds of music I didn't know about. But um, so five, I was, yeah, program director five years. Why have you stayed at CJSW for as long as you have? Yeah. I mean, I love it. I'm, I really think that uh, when I went to university, basically, uh, I took a, a BA in an embarrassing sort of field, and I I basically feel like I got a, a, my degree in radio because in between every class, I was at the radio station. When I first got involved, when I went there, I had a really good friend from, um, so I'm kind of giving you a bit of history, but I think this is how a lot of us came to campus radio in a way. Um, so my best friend's brother was two or three years older in high school, and he had, you know, all the punk and new wave and the clash and the cure and echo and the bunny men. And so I thought I liked soft rock because I used to listen to commercial radio and then I totally got into this kind of music Elvis Costello so I went to university with my ghetto blaster and my all my taste in punk rock and some of the, you know some of the people thought you're pretty weird and then I had started I was listening to Brave New Waves on CBC and I didn't really know anything about campus radio 
and I went in, you know, there was one of the um, students' union buildings that had like the bar and the, the Cinecenta and kind of the hang spots. And it was like, wow, there's this thing, there's radio and I can get involved. And I walked in and I got involved and I feel like it completely changed my university. You know, we used to do shows and I thought I didn't like No Means No until the light went on one day after about the fifth show and I realized they were brilliant. And so it really, I, it, I basically went from... Um, from my classes to the campus station, I was taking the full five class load, but I was 40 hours a week at the station because I loved it. And so it really, I feel like it's kind of shaped everything with who I am today. And so going, coming to CJSW, it, it really feels like home. And what's kept me involved is really amazing people that have, you know, links to the campus, but lots of tentacles into the community. There's so many interesting people from CJSW doing all kinds of things from, you know, running arts organizations to being lawyers to everything. Like when you look around the community and you think there's a local publication, it's like eh, someone from CJ, you know, with a CJSW background, there's someone else doing something cool, CJSW background. And so I love the people here. I think it's a, it still, um, even though I came from UVic, I will say that CJSW is the, the best, the most stable um, the strongest campus station in the country. It's evidenced by how well we do during the funding drive, how stable we are. Our former station manager or a former station manager, Don McSweeney, used to joke because we'd rent a car when we were at the NCRC conference and and just say, oh, yeah, we got so much money at, at CJSW, we're just going to drive the car into the ocean at the, end, at the rental. So, I mean, even then we were a very seen as a very stable station. And, and it's just inspiring, like really awesome people, I love still doing a show. You know, I work at the Folk Fest and some things I discover at when I'm here and I, you know, new albums come to the station, I may end up working with that artist and vice versa. There's artists that I work with that I end up playing. So there's a lot of kind of overlap in in lifestyles and, you know, I still go see lots of live music. I really, like, I learned so much by being involved with campus radio, so much about music and, uh, you know, just... I find that people who are involved in campus radio tend to be really dedicated, hardworking people who are good at multitasking. So that's kept me involved and I've, I've been lucky to have the kind of job that I do so that I can disappear early every Thursday and come and do a show. It's inspiring. This place is amazing. There's, uh, you know, it's really well managed. There's great staff. What's it like having a, a radio show for 30 plus years? It goes by really fast. <laughs> I mean, it's it's weird. Like, it's, in a way, it seems like yesterday I first came here, and then in a way, it seems like a long, long time ago. But, um, you know, the show evolves, I think. Um, I keep telling successive program directors they're allowed to kick me off. I'm not entitled to anything. Um, but I still like it. You know, sometimes it feels, once in a while, it feels a little stale, and then you find some new music, and you get kind of juiced again, and you do it, and there's, you know, new and old listeners. Um so it's, you know, develop relationships with them, some of them that, that text the booth or the guy from the Netherlands that likes to phone me. So it's it's still fun doing a show and, and it's fun to, uh, you know, I've had lots of really great show neighbours, so getting to know the different people that are around and, and you know, I've been on, back on the board for a number of years and I think that when you're on the board, it's good to be connected and be in the station and do a show. And why would you choose to run for the board? Oh, I'm interested in the inner workings of the organization. I feel like I have some knowledge of radio and some history to bring and some involvement in, you know, governance structures from 
um, from being involved with arts organizations. And and so I'm interested in, in kind of being a community member and hopefully helping it stay on the right track. And I mean, I see my main role is to support the staff as long as the staff are doing a good job. And if they're not, maybe to step in. But I like to be involved on a governance level. I've I've been on boards and I've been subject to boards. So I kind of feel like I've got the both angles. For people that are listening to us right now that want to get involved with CGSW as a volunteer, what's your advice? It's a very welcoming place. So just come on in. And you're going to learn a lot, but you're probably going to bring a lot to the station. So um, you might think that you just you want to do a show and you might get a show one day. But there's all kinds of other things to do. It's really fun. It's inspiring. Um, it's something, it's a place where it, it may influence the rest of your career just from what you're involved in here. Um, like I say, there's people that have gone on from CGSW, not necessarily because of CGSW, but they're often really driven people. But um, it can, can introduces you to a lot of different things. You can get involved in news. You can learn a lot about music. You can, I mean, basically we're running a really significant arts organization here that's a hub for the community. Um, so I would say walk in the door. Everyone's welcome. Um, and you'll be well-trained. And you may learn about lots of things that you didn't know about, and you also put a lot of your skills to use. Would you say that uh, CJSW has had an effect on your career choice? Oh, 100%. I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing if I if it wasn't for Campus Radio. Um, starting with CFUV, because I got involved in music. I learned a ton about music. Um, and so now I'm the Artistic Director of the Folk Fest, and... I 100% wouldn't have had that career path if it wasn't for, for campus radio. So I feel like, and when even going to UVic, I feel, like I said, I feel like I got a degree in radio, really. Like as I basically went to class and then I went to radio. I learned way more being involved in radio and it was really satisfying because, you know, you're in school and you have a, maybe you have a paper, you have an exam. The, the, the sort of um, rewards are really far down the line, whereas the rewards for radio are really strong. I messed up a lot. I, you know, I did did interviews that were way too quiet and they didn't work out. I, I had someone on that wanted to talk about the Hungarian, you know, the Hungarian Revolution, and I, I didn't know much about that, but I sure wanted to talk about South America, which I thought I knew a lot about, and I kind of bungled that. And you know, you learn a lot as you go. You learn about, um, you know, you, you learn about doing research and, you know, say, learn about music and technical things. So, all those things I think led to what I'm doing now. For sure. And do you have any, like, absolutely crazy wild stories that come to your mind right now? One time someone decided that it was a good idea for us to, to crash the Stampede Parade. So we got a bunch of um, painters' um, coveralls, just the cheap white ones, and painted them all up and, and joined the parade and were throwing stuff out to people. We, we took us about half an hour to get kicked out of the parade. That was kind of fun. It's not too crazy a thing to do, but... And then there were really cool things. Like um, I remember I did an, an, I think I did an interview or our a former station manager did an interview with Fugazi. That was really awesome. They played up at Mac Hall and they came down. I think that some of the cool things, you know, it was nothing to have Blue Rodeo or um, Fugazi or whoever just wander through the station. Like the number of artists that we've had come in and do interviews at the station is really amazing. Um, some of the other crazy things when I was pro- oh, when I was program director, there was a there was a guy who was very mild mannered, and 
name was Perry, and uh, he was doing a Friday night show. But I was pretty strict about the CRTC regulations, and you were supposed to be doing specialty shows, and he wasn't doing anything specialty. And so I ended up kicking him off, and he he kind of had a temper tantrum, but this was quite unusual for him because he was very mild-mannered, and he, he did it and made a big deal of he nailed himself in the booth, and so he didn't tell the people who were on before or after him. And he basically did one of those, like, he was on for three hours. But again, because he was such a, a kind of, he wasn't a crazy, wild and crazy guy. It wasn't like he jeopardized our CRTC license or anything. But it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, you go and you do your three-hour show and nail yourself in the booth. And <laughs> I'm trying to think about other crazy things. I mean, I think there have been times over the years, there have been times where, you know, we've had complaints from listeners and the CRTC has contacted us and we've had to go through the logger tape. And, you know, in the old days, like right now, we're doing this interview. It's all digital and you just go, jump, jump, and you can take out the parts of that you want to take out. And, but we, you know, we'd sit here with the reel-to-reels, you know, you know, and then you have to cut out the, the parts. And sometimes we put together pieces where it was all the ums and ahs and the things we took out. But the logger tape, which for people who are listening, that doesn't probably mean much to them, but it's what we record all the programs on and we have to hold them for a month. We have to hold them for a year, I think, for the CRTC. And so these were these big, huge reel-to-reels and they had half the day on one side and half on the other. So we had to turn them at the end of the day and they went, they went really slowly. And if you got a complaint from somebody and it went to the CRTC, you had to listen back and find that. And it was always this nightmare because, you know, you'd be fast forwarding it and then you'd listen and you'd think, okay, we need to still fast forward another hour. And then the darn thing would, and it would, you know, it would the tape would rip and you had to stop it and you had to put the tape back together and then you had to find it. And so that was, you know, that was kind of, those were our Monty Python days, you know, where we had to get up three hours before we went to bed, that kind of thing. Like, you think your life is rough, you know, those stories, but... So, yeah, I don't know what else there were, you know, there were times where we they, we got ourselves in some trouble. People came on air and they slandered somebody or they, you know, there was a complaint. Um, trying to think about the wild and crazy times. Don McSweeney would always spill his drinks and his food on the way in on his his white T-shirts. and. <laughs> um, but, you know, we had some fun times. It was, it's, there's lots of great people who've come through and. Like I say, I'm trying to think about other crazy stories, but just Fugazi, that was kind of a highlight. And and who did we have? Any, anyway, sometimes, you know, bringing some artists up here, we had, oh, we had uh, Sun Ra. We had a couple guys from Sun Ra's band come in from Brazil. That was super cool. Just kind of dragged them from Princess Island Park and had them come up here. And this one guy had the dislocating shoulder where he could spin it all the way around. And he had he had like a, just a mohawk and he had like just one long ponytail and they came up and played the Bob instruments. And so lots of really cool, crazy things like that, like really inspiring times where we've had musicians come in and probably some really amazing authors and I haven't talked too much about the process of, of, of training, but um, it's it's fairly regimented process nowadays. But what was it like back then? I think it was similar. I think that we um, trained people on the board. There's little tricks of the trade that we would teach people that I think were kind of interesting because I no, don't think any of us went to school for it, but it was kind of ingrained about not process things. You weren't supposed to say, oh, this isn't working or that isn't working or this is a PSA. You just had to talk and you weren't you're supposed to associate music with uh, ads with music so that you didn't have someone talk, talk, talking and then add and talk, talk, talking and um, blending the music and, you know, how you fade things down. Like I still train people the way I did when it was albums because if the album 
kept going, it would bleed into the next song. So you'd always fade it. You wouldn't, you know, you'd push the next button and fade the last. Like I still do things that way. So I think the training is still pretty rigorous and, you know, conflict of interest and libel and slander. I don't know if all those things are taught, but I feel feel like we made sure we taught all those things to anybody who was on air um, and that those things were clear. And so I feel like it was pretty rigorous, but there's also stuff that was pretty casual and there's some people that got trained pretty quickly and, and some of them were really good right away. Some people are just naturals. What are some of the standouts that you can remember training? Well, I'm responsible for Chad Saunders and I'm pretty proud of that. I put Chad Saunders on air and uh, Jet Thunders, and I'm pretty proud of that one. And there's, you know, we all had some fun when Chad was on air and he was was doing his um, Scottish-accented bad movie reviews. And we all had to, he'd have the door open and he'd be standing so far back from the mic because he'd be yelling. And and we'd all have to be way out in the hallway because we were laughing so loud you could have heard it in the mic. Um, there were Bob Keelahan, huge standout. He used to call himself Bob Anonymous and he was on late at night. He was on, I think, from midnight to three. He and this other guy, Rick, and you could sit like, you would sit in your car and listen to them talk 15, 20 minutes. Bob would say, I'm things, ridiculous things like if, you know, phone in and tell me the name of uh, what I should call my show. And I'm going to stand on my head until the blood rushes to my head until you give me the name of the song. And he'd talk about the blood, like you honestly would believe he was like doing that. He was so interesting. He did amazing radio and Rick did this radio Antarctica and he pretended he was in Antarctica. And some people actually believed it. And I think Rick was living at the station for a while. There was a, there was one of the studios and Rick was hanging out there and, and his socks didn't get washed a lot. So he kind of, you're touring people through the station. You'd say, Rick, you can't leave your socks in here. But, you know, I, I would say Bob Anonymous. Um, I didn't put him on air, but when uh, Nick Diocnos was on, he was really great. And he used to do really, really creative radio Um so yeah, I'd say they were some of the standouts. So you know, there's some shows that I'm really proud of that have been on for a long time. Um, I put Oh Africa on there. I started a comedy show and then it went away for a while. But definitely um, Bob Anonymous did some of the most creative radio that you've heard. People tried to imitate him and didn't work out so well for them. But yeah, lots of lots of people um, that some people that are still involved and some people that aren't. Um, Lots of really great broadcasters and great staff that have come across over the years. And so you would say that CJSW is a very important part of the Calgary community in general? I really think so. I mean, it's a it's an arts organization unto itself and it's a it's a hub. You know, the station people rely on the station to get the word out about what they're doing. And, you know, we had experiences where we would put on shows and with bands that we didn't think were very well known and we we really promoted the heck out of them and lots of people came because people are really listening. And I think that it's that community um, when people have access to someone who's in the booth and can respond to their texts. And, you know, there's people that would listen and say, oh, you guys are getting a new transmitter. And it's like, wow, they're really listening or where's so-and-so? Like it's part of their family. It's part of the community. Um, and so I would say it's an important part of the community for sure. And like I said, there's some really lots of awesome people f- that are still involved in the station doing really interesting things in the community that maybe already were. And then they're bringing that to CJSW and vice versa. It's it's a, a back and forth. Um, it, it really changes people's lives. It makes them feel more connected. Um, and in this age of satellite radio and, and 
you know, things that are programmed by other people, it's really great to have a station where people are programming their own music. Our guest today was Carrie Clark. Thank you for listening to CJSW Stories. I'm Josh Corcoran.